Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to hear what you're saying this morning. And um, I pray that we would um, be encouraged to seek more of you as we leave this place and that we might hear something this morning that we can take away and put into practice throughout the week, Lord, so that we draw closer to you and we become more effective in, uh, in serving you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. I have to be honest when I start this and tell you all that I am kicking myself this morning. I know, you wouldn't expect a preacher to start with that, would you? But I am... Uh, when Mike asked me to speak and told me it was parables, I picked the parable of the talents for very good reasons. And then we had, yeah, Maureen's laughing, she knows what I'm going to say. We had small group on Thursday, and the, the theme of our small group on Thursday was, what's your favourite parable and why? And I think it might have been, it was Ruth or Bridget. One of them mentioned the persistent widow. And I thought, darn it, I've missed an opportunity to speak about when a nagging woman won. <laughs> So really kicking myself. <laughs> but for all of you women out there, there is a parable in the Bible that talks about a nagging woman who does get her own way, so be encouraged. <laughs> so why did I pick the parable of the talents? Well, I picked this one uh, because I've been a Christian for a very long time, since I was nine. Um, grew up in a Baptist church, so very familiar with a lot of stories, especially in the New Testament from quite a young age. And it's very interesting, isn't it, how we can form views about something at a very young age and then hold on to those views, even though I hold on to very few of my views from when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, etc. But we don't move on, do we? And my reaction to this parable was that it was incredibly unfair. I don't like unfairness. Unfairness is like a red rag to a ball to me. If I thought things were unfair when I was a child, I would stamp my feet. <laughs> really don't like unfairness. So I decided that this parable was unfair and had kind of written it off. So I thought it would be a jolly good opportunity to come back to it and see if perhaps I had um, misunderstood the scripture and to see if what I had learned since I was then changes how I view it. So my first point to you all, before we even start, is are you coming to Scripture with preconceived ideas that you might need to change? Yeah? Very easy, isn't it, to get entrenched in an idea, especially when you've been a Christian a long time and you're very familiar with the Bible. It's very easy to think, well, I know what that means, and to kind of gloss over it. And I, you know, and I found myself doing it. You can read a passage of Scripture and you're not even really reading it, are you? You're just... You're going over it and you're rehearsing the views that you think that you've got. But Paul tells us uh, in, in the New Testament that we know in part. And of course we know in part because we're being changed, aren't we? From one degree of glory to another. And really it's only as we go through life and we grow and we develop and we experience different things that we get different perspectives. And it's really important, I think, that we take all those perspectives back to the scripture that we're so familiar with and try and see it through fresh eyes. Jesus said, didn't he, be like little children. And I think children just read things, um, you know, without preconceived ideas and, and maybe there's something there for us. So if you take nothing else away from today, <laughs> read scripture with fresh eyes. Okay, let's have a look at the parable. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read Matthew's version. So we're going to look at Matthew 25. 
and it starts in verse 14. And it says this. So it's talking about the kingdom of heaven, which is a phrase that Matthew uses, and it says, again, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And I'm going to stop there. So, I don't want you to remember this bit, but I need to tell you this bit so that I can explain how it changed. This is my false views, okay? <laughs> this is why I thought it was unfair. Not everyone got the same. Well, that's not fair before you start, is it? <laughs> how, how many people are, are only children here? Any only children? Oh, a few of you. Oh, you might not get this. I grew up with a brother that's 21 months younger than me, okay? So as a child, <laughs> I was very concerned about fairness, and he and I had to have exactly the same thing. Is that resonating with those of you who aren't only children? Yeah? So if he got more than me, it just wasn't fair. If I got more than him, well, that was fine. <laughs> okay? So it was down to... Uh, I digress, but, you know, we could argue over the size of a piece of Swiss roll. I mean... <laughs> We could argue over anything, right? So, so I looked at this and I was like, well, he's not a very good master, is he? Because he's given one five, one two, and one one, and that's not fair. Full stop. <laughs> the second thing that I thought was unfair about this story was the servant who got one talent put it somewhere safe. He knew where he'd put it, and he returned to the master what he'd given him. And I couldn't see what was wrong with that. That seemed fine to me. It's like he entrusted me with something... I looked after it, I gave it back to him, and now I'm being punished for it. So that really didn't seem fair to me. And the third thing that didn't seem fair to me, which probably links with the first one, is the one that already had five, 
and who doubled it and got 10 gets given the one from the one person. I mean, that's not fair, is it? At least he should have done is given it to the one with five <laughs> and tried to even it up a bit. But as I say, that, is my, that was my, uh, my teenage views. So I'm glad Susan's here because I did this bit especially for you. Because I know you like a definition, don't you? So before we go any further, I thought we'd just pause and remind ourselves what a parable is. And uh, the definition I've got of a parable is, it's a lengthy narrative drawn from nature or human circumstances that is used to set out a spiritual lesson. Okay, so we've got to take this, this narrative about this human story and try and unpick what the spiritual lessons are. Um, and I'll give you my interpretation I think with all these things, there's often more than one interpretation, so I encourage you to go away and think about it and see what God's saying to you through it. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you uh, where I've got to with it and the journey I've been on. Apparently, there are two, ta- two dangers to avoid in seeking to interpret parables. One is ignoring the important features, and the other is making all the details mean something. So I apologise now because I'm an overthinker who likes to analyse everything. (laughs) So I'm in danger of doing the second. Please forgive me. (laughs) So let's start at verse 15. We're going to go through it. uh, uh, We're going to break it down into pieces and go through it bit by bit. And verse 15 says, To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, as I've already said, I was coming at this uh, from the view of it's all about being given the same. And I've mentioned my brother, and I've said uh, that, you know, I was all about comparing what I've been given with what others have been given. And I think that is a key word for us today, comparison. Because what I've learned as I've grown up is that comparison never ends well, does it? If we compare what we've got to other people around us, A, it's not a valid comparison because we are not that person and we are not in that person's shoes and we look at it through our own eyes, don't we? I'm I'm going to use a really, really stupid example now, but you'll get what I mean. So let's go back to my argument over the size of the Swiss roll, okay? (laughs) Um, If I'm training for a marathon then I need a bigger piece of Swiss roll, don't I? (laughs) If my brother's going to sit in a chair all day (laughs) listening to his music, he doesn't. So we will will look look at things uh, through our perspective with our physical eyes and make judgments. And I think that when we compare ourselves or when we look at what we think God's giving us and compare it with what he's, he's giving other people, it never ends well. We always end up feeling negative about ourselves, don't we? And I think it robs us of a lot, because what it does is it stops us being grateful for what we've got. Hebrews 12 says we should run our race with our eyes fixed on Jesus, doing all God created us to do. You know, if you look at the New Testament and all that we're exhorted to do, never does it say, compare yourself to the person next to you. Never does it say, look at what they've got, check that you're okay, and then go off and do what God's called you to do. It says all the way through it, you know, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep running the race, and do that God, all that God has created you to do, trusting that he is giving you what you need to do it. 
And the minute we compare ourselves, we step out of that. And um, I cycle to work, as many of you know, and uh, often do my thinking, especially about preaching when I'm on my bike. And I had a very interesting moment as I was putting my bike away in my garage one night because I was thinking about this parable and I was thinking about how unfair I thought it was. And I just felt God say, so you think you know better than me then? And I was like, what? (laughs) I'm stood in my garage thinking, where's that come from? No, 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 I don't. Surely I don't. No, no, absolutely not. And then I thought about it and I thought, actually, when we say something is unfair, we are assuming that we know better than God. Yeah? So I'm looking at this and I'm assuming that I know better because they should have all been given the same amount. Whereas the master knew his servants, he knew what they needed and he gave them. I mean, the clue is there, isn't it, at the end of verse 15, according to their ability. So my younger self had not seen that, had not taken that into consideration, had made these, adju- these assumptions. And that really, to be honest, it did bring me up short. And I thought, you know, we're called to be humble. We're called to think of ourselves as not more than we are. And when we're telling God that he's being unfair, actually we are saying that we know best. So I'm trying not to do it. I'm learning. I'm on a journey. (laughs) So, as I said, that that phrase there, according to his ability, uh, is the important one, isn't it? Because... We are all made differently. God creates us all as individuals. You know, we've got our own skills, our own strengths, our own way of being things. And, you know, as we go through life, we have our own experiences. And we can handle different amounts at different times, I think. So, how wonderful that we've got a master who gives us what we can handle at that time. So, this master knew his servants... And he says, I'm going to give you ten, because I know you can handle it. I'm going to give you, oh, sorry, five, isn't it? Sorry, it's Luke, it's ten. I'm going to give you five, I'm going to give you two, because I know you can handle it, and I'm going to give you one, because I know that's what you can handle. How many of us have uh, been desperate for more responsibility, or wanted more, or got ourselves in a state because we thought we hadn't got what we wanted? And then when we do get it, we lose sleep, because actually it's too much, too much responsibility. Yeah? Lovely little story. I'm going to uncover my husband here. Sorry, love. (laughs) Uh, Lovely little story that I think of quite often is James has got a sister who's 17 months younger than him. And when they first went to school uh, and they were learning to read, James's mum tells me the story that he could never, they were on, I don't know if they still do it now, they were on reading schemes. And um, he could never understand why she was on a higher reading scheme than him. He couldn't accept that she was older than him and she was further ahead than him. And he always wanted those harder books. The reality is if he'd been given those harder books, he wouldn't have been able to read them. And he he would have felt bad about himself and it wouldn't have encouraged him to learn to read, would it? So actually the thing he was striving for wouldn't have done him any good. He was better off staying where he is. And I think that's true for us, isn't it? We have to trust that our master knows us knows which reading scheme we need to be on (laughs) to give us the skills to progress. The third thing I just want to say about about this verse is, uh, again, I'd looked at it assuming 
It was all about um, the individuals, all about the servants. But actually, there is a bigger picture here, isn't there? Because uh, the master was obviously running a business. He had something he wanted to achieve. And what he was motivated by was achieving the best for that business. So in fact, he probably gave out those talents um, to maximise his business, if that makes sense. Yeah? Um, so it's not always all about us, is it? I'd like it to always be all about me, if being totally honest. <laughs> but it's not, is it? There is a bigger picture at work here, you know? Uh, there is a kingdom that God wants to bring down. And actually, he will, he will uh, determine what needs to go where, when, to maximise that kingdom. Yeah, we're, we're um, I don't know, I want to say pawns on a chessboard, but that doesn't sound quite uh, encouraging enough. But do you know what I mean? We, we are working for a higher purpose. Yeah? So to actually look at it about what have I got compared to what they've got misses the big picture, which is what's going to bring the maximum to the kingdom right now. And I'm sure we've all experienced things like this, haven't we, where we've, we've looked, there's a job that needs to be done, there's something that we need to achieve, and we, we will ask different people to do different things. I mean, I'm, I manage quite a few people, and I will look at my team and I will think, right, who's got the skills, who's got the capacity, who's got the time to give me what I want in the shortest amount of time? And it's not necessarily that I'm choosing that person over that person, it's just that in that in those circumstances, at that moment, that configuration of, of the giving out of the duties or whatever is going to give us what we need uh, when we need it. Does that all make sense? Yeah, good. Good. So let's move on to verse 16, where it says, The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. I thought this was very interesting when I looked at it over the last few weeks because the man went at once. Which means he knew exactly what his master's business was, he knew exactly what he needed to do, and he got on and done it, and got on and did it. He didn't spend ages debating it with everybody. He didn't go around discussing it. He didn't go around checking and saying, do you think that this is the right thing to do? Do you think this is going to maximise this, that, and the other? He just got on with it. So... I haven't asked a question yet, have I? Here we go. (laughs) Do you know what your master's business is? Do you know what gifts he's given you and how to use them to further his work? I think sometimes we overcomplicate it, don't we? I think sometimes we want to be, well, me in particular, maybe you guys don't, maybe you've got it all sussed, (laughs) but I can overcomplicate things. I can second guess. I want to discuss it with everybody. I want to assume everything. But actually, um, you know, God's work is, uh, is quite straightforward, really, isn't it? And I'm going to start with a summary before I read the scripture, because basically I believe that God calls us to bring love, hope, and life to everybody everywhere we go. And it's that simple. And I take that from, let's have a look at um, Isaiah 61, where it says, 61 verses 1 to 4 says, The sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair." 
So there's so much in there, isn't there, that we can do quite easily. We can bring good news. We can, we can bind up the brokenhearted. We can comfort. We can proclaim freedom. There's so much in there. There's a great, I thought of Maureen this morning, because a song came to mind, Maureen. Do you remember the song, He Sent Me to Give the Good News to the Poor? Tell prisoners, not tell prisoners, no more. To set the... Captain's free. Yeah, hang on. I had it this morning. I want to sing it, but you really don't want to hear me sing it. <laughs> and go tell everyone the news that the kingdom of God has come. That's how it ends, isn't it? So everything we do and everything we are and everything we should be should be to serve God's kingdom and to expand it. We should bring fruit wherever we go. It's not difficult, is it? You know, I think about the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay? And I think that sometimes we can think those are um, fruits of the spirit and they come to us, but actually we can be all those things, can't we? We can serve our master by being kind, by being patient, by bringing goodness, by being faithful, All those things that we don't necessarily see so much of in our uh, society nowadays. We can be the conduit of all those things, can't we? So it's not difficult. I I think sometimes we think that to serve God we need a huge calling or, you know, we need something dramatic or something specific. But actually, I think if we're faithful servants, we're doing all these little things day by day. You know, to everyone that we meet in every situation that we find ourselves. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 sums it up really nicely because it says this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Simple, isn't it? (laughs) So my, my, my suggestion, I was going to say challenge, but actually let's go with suggestion. My suggestion is that it might be good this week to just stop and reflect on whether we're serving God in all areas of our life, using all we've got and who we are. Because I think it doesn't matter who we are. I'm not going to look at this particular person. It doesn't matter how old we are. <laughs> we can bring all of those things, can't we? Yeah? I think sometimes uh, as we get older, we think, well, you know, my life is done. I've done what I can. I just would challenge that and say the world is looking for more love, more joy, more peace, more patience, more goodness, more gentleness. And we can be all all those things, can't we? Right, let's have a look at um, verses 19 to... 23. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents bought the other five. Uh, He said, you gave me five, I've given you five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And what is interesting is he says exactly the same thing to the servant who had the two talents, who gained two more. So now suddenly my unfairness is being tipped on its head, isn't it? Because actually they were both judged the same way because in reality they both did the same thing. They doubled what they had. Yeah? 
And again, I think in, in, our, in our humanness, sometimes we can look at it and we can say, well, he only made two. He's not as good as me because I made five. But actually, they both doubled it. Yeah? So, so the master here applies the same yardstick to them both. He says, all I'm looking for is a doubling. And you've both done it. Well done. Down to verse 24, where it says, Then the man who had received one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. It's interesting that the one talent servant judges the master for being a hard man because he reaps where he doesn't sow and tries to harvest, maximise his harvest. And when I read that, I thought about the parable of the sower where he sows the, seed, the farmer sows the seed everywhere. And I thought about a God who, who um, I'll use the Christian phrase, is looking to harvest souls. Yeah? And, and when I thought about that, I thought how wrong this one, one talent servant was. Because actually he wasn't a hard man. It talks about a master that is inclusive, that is not narrow-minded, but actually wants to harvest wherever he can, wants, wants to bring everybody in to the kingdom. And I was really encouraged by that. I thought, what a lovely, what a lovely picture of a God who, who just is looking to include as many people as possible. It illustrates again, you know, different perspectives. The uh, one talent servant saw that as a hard man. I see that as a wonderful master that I want to, I want to serve and be part of. So he hid the talent, his talent in the ground. And as I say, my childish self thought, well, what's wrong with that? But now I'm coming back to it again uh, as, a, as an adult self and thinking, this is a servant. This is a servant who should have gone about his master's business. And actually, he's taken what he's been given and buried it in the ground. And I suddenly had this realisation of how insulting that actually was. Yeah? He, instead of going about his master's business while his master was away... I don't know what he did, because he certainly didn't do anything with what he was entrusted with. It's almost like he turned his back on it and says, well, actually, your business isn't important to me. In fact, it's so not important to me, I'm just going to bury it in the ground and not even think about it the whole time you're away. Which really, you know, when you think he's a servant, you just think, well, hang on a minute, that's just not right. That is just not right. If he put it in the bank then the master would have got some interest. He didn't even do that. He says, I'm not even bothered to give you the, the minimum that I could get. I'm just not engaging with you at all. And when you think about it from that perspective, you think, well, no wonder. No wonder the master was, was cross with him and punished him. Because actually, that is just an appalling attitude, isn't it? You know, if we had workers who said, yeah, I don't care what your business is, but actually, I'm not getting involved with it, we wouldn't keep them around for very long, would we? And again, I just think to myself, all he needed to do to be as faithful as the other servants is get one more. It's not a lot, is it? 
just get one more talent and he couldn't even do that. He opted out. So when you look at it through that lens, you just think it's not surprising that the master took it away from him. Because if you're not going to use something, then actually you've got no, no right to keep it, really, have you? Everything, I mean, I, you know, if I think about um, Amy, when Amy, my, Amy's my daughter, when she was growing up, if she stopped using something, well, we gave it to somebody else who could use it. Yeah, it's kind of a natural progression, isn't it? If you're not going to use something to further God's kingdom, then why should he leave it with you, really? Sobering, sobering thought. And just to address my last point, what, what the master did here was he gave that talent to the one who'd proved himself trustworthy. It wasn't that that, that servant had so much and actually, why would you give him more? It was he had proved himself. He'd proved himself with the five talents. So actually, why wouldn't you give him more? If you've got a, a worker or a servant who does really good things for you, of course you're going to give them more. Of course you're going to expand their responsibilities. And, um, you know, my last realisation was that how vindicated the master was in giving out different numbers of talents. Because if he'd given the, the one talent servant five talents, then five of his talents would have been buried in the ground, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah? And actually, we, we serve a master who has an eternal perspective, you know, who really... <laughs> I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but who really genuinely does know more than we know <laughs> because he knows the end at the beginning. And if you know that your servant's not going to serve you well, you're not going to entrust him with much in the beginning. But he gave him a chance, didn't he? He gave him a chance and he said, look, you know, I'm going to give you one. All I want you to do is double it. And he didn't do that. So, just to conclude... I started off thinking that there was a lot unfair in this parable, and you'll be pleased to know I've completely changed my opinion. <laughs> Good, I like that. <laughs> By re-examining it, I can see that my, my perspective was flawed. So my challenge to you is, as we grow and develop and receive fresh understanding, it's worth asking ourselves if there are any unfairnesses that we're accusing God of that go away when we look at them afresh. Yeah? I've done my bit, now you've got to do your bit. <laughs> Don't get stuck or entrenched in ideas, but be open to learning and seeing things differently. I'm going to say it again, because I think it's worth reiterating. If we judge God as unfair, we are assu always assuming that we know best. And that's always dangerous. And I think if we go down that route, then we're likely to end up as the one-talent servant, not serving God well or expanding his kingdom, because we get caught up in bitterness and resentment, don't we? Don't compare yourself with others. Be grateful for all that God has given you and use it, to bring, uh, use it faithfully to bring God's grace everywhere. John Wesley says this, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And I'd add, with everything that you have and all that you are. I'd encourage you to pause and check whether you can do more to bring more of God and his way of doing things into your life and into the lives of everyone you come into contact with day, day to day. And I encourage you to be good and faithful servants and not wicked and lazy ones. 
Amen.